Beautiful Anonymous is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Hello to everybody who fondly remembers Pizza Day. It's Beautiful Anonymous. One hour, one phone call. No names. No holds barred. I'd rather go one-on-one. I think it'll be more fun. And I'll get to know you and you'll get to know me. Hey everybody, it's Chris Gethard here. So happy to be able to bring you another episode of Beautiful Anonymous. I am really proud of this show and also very selfishly happy that it's still going as strong as it is because especially right now, I get to connect to people, get to have conversations with the outside world. And the fact that so many of you guys are still along for the ride, still supporting the show, I feel so good that this is a show where you get to hear about other people right now because very, I think so many of us are just having less human interaction than we used to. So thanks for being here. It's an honor to feel like I am part of that process for you. This week's call. I'm really psyched about it because one of the things I, I love most about doing this show is that I get to learn. I get to hear from people in their own words and it teaches me. And very often over the years, that has been people teaching me about their lifestyles. And if you followed the show for any length of time, you know what I mean? There's all sorts of lifestyles in this world and we get to hear about them. And and many times it's it's been the first time I've heard someone speak to their lifestyle in their own words on this show. And this is one of those, there's been a lot of progressive movement in the past handful of years especially concerning the queer community. LGBTQ is, I think, the shorthand a lot of us hear. But there's also some other letters that are very often added into that phrase. And one of them is A, for asexual. And I've always wondered exactly what that means. I have great respect for anyone who identifies that way. Just anybody, anyone who wants to identify anyway. I'm I, be who you are and be proud of it and embrace it. And I love that the world is getting to a place where that's more true. Asexuality is always one that I've wondered exactly what form that takes on. Our caller today went through some some hard stuff, uh, suffered a miscarriage at one point in their life. I know that's an extraordinarily tough topic for a lot of people, so wanted to mention it up top. But this experience as any traumatic experience will, made the caller consider who they are and adjusted their life. And they embraced this new side of themselves. And they're so well-equipped to let me know what it means for them. Not for everybody, for them. And I love that feeling. It's beautiful. Also, Pizza Friday. Enjoy the call. Thank you for calling Beautiful Anonymous. A beeping noise will indicate when you are on the show with the host. Hello, Hello Chris? Yeah, hi. Hi. How are you? How are you? Good. I'm good. I'm good. It's so weird. Yeah, I'm good. You know, I I'm good on a personal think... level and other than that, very scared. Just like everybody. Scared how? Well, just because, you know, I try to be a person who reads the news and I try to be a person who feels compassion for others and so much so much uh hard stuff happening to so many good people right now. It's hard. It's hard not to be oh, yeah. scared. Yeah. And it's hard to see how many people don't seem to have a lot of empathy. Yeah. Especially right now. Yeah. So, so that I was I feel like a bummer that that's how I have to start every conversation on the show lately, but it's just the truth. It's just the truth. Now, how are you? Um, I'm actually doing really well, and I didn't really realize that how well until recently. So, 
I thought I would try giving you a call, and I can't believe I made it through. That's well, exciting. I'm really glad you did. I'm glad we get to talk today. Mm-hmm. I don't know where to start. Um, I was going to talk about how I had kind of gone from being super Republican a couple of years ago to becoming the biggest liberal snowflake within the past couple of years. And especially with what we've been seeing lately, I couldn't imagine, I couldn't imagine like some of the things that I see some of my friends and family saying, um, it's just, it's really hard to understand where they're coming from, even though I used to think that way. Um, yeah. That's really fascinating. How does, I guess, here's a question that doesn't have a simple answer. What caused yeah. this, what caused this change? Um, well, I had actually, um, well, I had, I had the whole, like, I got married and had the family and I was going to have kids and everything was going to be fantastic. And then we tried, me and my, my ex, we tried having kids and it turns out that I, well, I had lost some pregnancies. Turns out that I have a genetic issue and I can't have kids. Uh, I'm so, sorry. Um, no, that's okay. That's okay. Um, so it kind of started me questioning because you hear all the platitudes. Oh my goodness. I was so angry for so long at like religion and, and God and everything and started to question everything that I had learned. And I was never really the type to question anything. Um, I think most teenagers go through that stage and I just never really went through it. So everything that people were telling me, you know, trust in God, whatever, I believed it. And then people kept saying all these hurtful, so like terrible things. So I just kind of started to ask myself, do I really believe this? Do I really think this way? Do I sound like this? And um, it kind of, it kind of led me down this path that took forever, for years, probably up until maybe three, four years ago, I started, I realized I was an atheist. And so that's like the complete opposite. I grew up, people thought I was going to be a nun when I was little and I grew up and ended up an atheist. So, yeah. And um, I started hearing all these stories from women, like terrible stories about things that they had experienced and um, started to question just if I had, um, if just started to question about my thoughts on like, I was really pro-life and there's it's so complicated and people don't talk about how complicated it is so I started hearing those stories and asked myself um what I really thought about that and that got me passionate like I became passionately pro-choice which um is because especially with me I had uh there were so many they had the opportunity to have an abortion um, because of the situation that I was in. And a lot of women would have chosen that even though they wanted to have a kid because they knew the, you know, the outcome was not going to be good. So, um, and that's the kind of stuff that you hear that you don't hear from the conservative side you hear about a whole bunch of women who are just going out and murdering their children. And that is, it's, it's really painful to hear that from people who know what I went through 
know that I'm pro-choice and why I'm pro-choice and they, they don't want to hear it because um, it, it seems like they don't want to hear, you know, from my personal experience. They don't want to listen to me. They want to stick to this idea that people are willfully like, you know, going out and, and, and see the thing is too, I, I, I have come to some really hard truth too. Like you hear about um, people going out and they're not ready and then they, they have an abortion and that is, that is, okay. Like it took me a long time to get to that point too. That's another thing that took me years to realize, like I was an atheist and now I'm a liberal. And, um, it took me a long time to think about, uh, other people's choices. And I think a lot of where I came from was the difference between being told what to think and learning how to think for myself. And I don't want to say that everybody is like that, but I know a lot of people who are, who don't seem to think too deeply into things. They just listen because they don't want to have to, it's better to have someone tell them their morals than to actually stop and ask um, the hard questions. Is that? Am I doing okay? You're doing fantastic. I have to say, when I asked, oh, why'd you switch from being a Republican to liberal? I thought you were just going to be like, ah, well, you know, Trump really sucks. And instead, (laughs) a tale unfolded about personal tragedy, uh, questioning, learning how to question the world around you for yourself having some sense of agency and what you learn, uh, reconciling your own personal experience and how it highlighted things you'd never considered about the world before. Mm -hmm. A whole journey of self-discovery. I thought you were just going to be like, I'm I'm tired of, uh, I'm tired of these people in the red hats yelling all the time. And instead it was. That's true. That's true too. (laughs) <laughs> well, I'd imagine if you're if you're already if that if you're already um you know finding finding yourself converting from right to left these days, I would imagine that adds some momentum. But that's what a fascinating oh, stretch yeah. of life you've had. First thing I want to say is um I'm so sorry that you lost some pregnancies. I know that that's a particularly brutal thing to go to go through. So I'm so sorry. Thank you. I had, I had a, it was a long time. Sometimes I decided not to call because I was like, what if I do get on the air and you've got a new baby? And I was like, "Mm, I don't know if this is really the topic that you'd want to talk about, but I think that a lot of women don't hear enough about like our issues. So I just decided I would try and see if I got through. So well, I, I'm glad you did. Yeah. And I actually would say it's the exact type of thing I want to talk about because the sense I've gotten when, you know, as I get older, there's people in my life who have lost babies. And what I, what I have come to understand is that all these people who I know will express it's something that felt so hard and that I felt like I was going through on my own. And then other female friends in my life reached out to say they've been through it too. And it's not something that's really talked about until you're in that situation. And it's kind of shocking how often it's happening. And it's it's something that I feel like is still very stigmatized. Um, oh, yeah. And it, sh- it so clearly shouldn't be. And it is such a personal thing and such a brutal thing. Um. But those stigmas, any anything that feels stigmatized that shouldn't be is something that I'm always very happy to talk about because I like, I do enjoy kicking down a good stigma when I can. Yeah, I know. 
that's why I like your show. Thanks. It's a big part of why I like doing it. Let's talk about the stuff that's mm-hmm. uncomfortable. So maybe it'll be a little more comfortable for people. Mm-hmm. I can see I can see how that experience would also lead to a questioning of faith. I can imagine. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm much happier now as an atheist than I ever was as a Christian because I get to decide for myself what my morals are and I don't have to worry about people telling because you know I've had those religious like the relatives who who are very anti-LGBT and then I realized somewhere along the line oh I was married but I'm actually ace um a great ace which is kind of like asexual but not asexual so hearing that kind of those kind of comments from relatives is and I is is I can only imagine what it would be like if I was um gay or bisexual or something like that and then I have the relatives who are very because I know what it feels like to have people who are very pro life talk to me and make me feel like like I did something wrong not because of my choices necessarily but because of what I believe after after hearing what my friends and um, acquaintances and people have experienced around me like the really tough decisions where like if you find out that your kid is going to have um they're maybe only going to live for 20 minutes or they're going to have this terrible disability and then they make the, they have to make the choice probably because they care so much not because they don't care but because they care so much and that's their choice and so when i hear my family just kind of callously saying that you know their murderers is is nothing like you you have to pick that hill that you're gonna die on or whatever to me that is the the that is the the issue that would be the cause that i would fight for because i know that family is everything and a mother's love is everything and you want to make sure that your kids get the best in life that you can give them. So these choices that people make are hard. They're so hard. And us narrowing it down to a sound bite is is more than disturbing. It's offensive. So, yeah. I think you're I'm in total agreement with you. And the way you phrased that, I think, was so uh, human because there are so many... For you to make it clear like that, there are people who understand that their baby is going to pass away early in life. And maybe, maybe it's less traumatic and more humane. You hear something like that and you go, oh, yes. It's a very layered issue. And... The yeah. I, the idea that, you know, there was one thing that Barack Obama, I read that he went to evangelical leaders um, during his first presidential campaign, I believe. I may be wrong about any of this, as I often am wrong about stuff on the show. But I heard that he went to evangelical leaders and he said, you know, I am very much pro-choice. I think that it is it is a lady's right to choose. He goes, at the same time, when when groups especially religious groups are very against um you know abortion being a form of birth control and when it's demonized in that way he goes i think if a lot of social services were improved and better funded if you knew that there was a better adoption system in the com- in the country and your child was going to be safe maybe it would lead to more adoptions if 
if we had a foster care system that didn't scare people, maybe people would be more willing to trust their kids in it. And I think that that is a very, uh, I, I found that to be a very beautiful sentiment because I, I understand that there's people who think this is the ending of a life and it's unacceptable, but it's, it's, it's not mm-hmm. always as simple as that. And if we created a world that, you know, if there were more programs to help single mothers, maybe there would be more people willing to be a single mother. You know, if people, if people felt like having this baby, you know, there's people who go, this is going to absolutely crush me economically to the point where I'm going to have to raise this child in poverty. Oh my God. What an amazing, like, am I going to be forced into giving a child a horrible life? Well, maybe if there were more programs in place to protect those people, it would, it would be less of an issue. And from what I understand, that went a very, very long way with the people he spoke to. And it's something I really agree with. Yeah, me too. And there's so many other issues surrounding it too. Like I would love to adopt. I would even love to foster to adopt, but it's actually, well, I don't know about the foster to adopt, but the adoption process is so much more expensive than doing IVF. So while we have all these kids who are waiting to be adopted and going to good families, what we have is a system that makes it easier to forget them, to put them off to the side and go for all these expensive hormonal treatments that are hell on women. And instead, that's what they go through to try to have their own kids. And I get that some people want their own kids and that's fine. Like their own genetic, you know, kids, that's one thing. But if you are doing it because you want a kid so badly and you just don't have the funds to do it any other way, or like with me, I don't have the funds to do that anyway. I couldn't afford it, but I think You know, I like to think about that. Like, what kind of mom would I have made? I think I would have made a good mom. You know, I think I would have. I hope I would have. So it would be awesome to be able to adopt. But it's just not, it's just not financially viable. So for the people who are making these choices, you know, oftentimes the the difference between like having kids or having a family and not having one is all about is all about money. So if we did have those social systems in place, I mean, think about how many problems we could help with all different facets of people who are needing us, not just needing assistance like in general, but like their lives, the outcomes of their lives depend on on these families stepping forward and people can't they can't because it's all about money. That's what it comes down to. So it's, um, that's another thing that's really hard, you know, and that's probably one of the reasons why we ended up, my husband and I ended up getting a divorce is because it, it affects you for a long time. And a lot of people end up getting like getting out of relationships after experiencing something like that. So. I mean, it does a lot to people. Um, so if we did have better assistance, better social systems, um, it would just, um, I think it would go a long way to creating a more empathetic and caring, family-oriented society where, you know, people can have and foster those kind of relationships that they want in their lives. Um, yeah. I really like you. I really like the way you lay Thank things you. out. You're very thoughtful Thanks. and you've clearly thought very thoroughly about the choices you've made in your life and you're able to explain them uh, so clearly. I applaud you for that. Thanks. Thank now, you. now, I'm wondering about the timeline of something else, if I may. 
because Mm -hmm. you mentioned that, you know, the trauma of going through what you went through helps contribute to divorce. I I imagine this is something that happens a lot. You know, people say, well, I always wanted kids or, you know, you've just also been through something that's so emotionally difficult. Do you feel the same connection on the other side of it? I get that. Now you've also mentioned that you identify as asexual and I'm wondering, is, is that something you realized when you were still married? Is that something that you've discovered or embraced since the divorce? Right? Let's pause there. I bet I'm not the only one wondering about the timing on this, right? When do you figure that out? When Are you with the husband? Is it after? We will find out that and so much more when we get back. Beautiful Anonymous is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Hope that was a good break. A productive break and a peaceful break. Now let's get back to the show. You identify as asexual. And I'm wondering, is is that something you realized when you were still married? Is that something that you've discovered or embraced since the divorce? Oh, yeah. No, no, no. I didn't even know what it was when I got married. Like, it didn't even... It didn't even dawn on me because I, to me, when I I got married in 2003, so when I got married, and the funny thing is, is that I had a lot of friends who were, who were on the spectrum, like the LGBTQ spectrum, and to me, it was just gay straight by, you know, like those were my ideas of, you know, but my goodness, like, um, it was, it was always weird to me that me and my spouse were just like not really ever everybody was like oh we only we only have sex like once a week or something now that we're married and I'm like I'm laughing I'm like are you serious like that is not that was not our experience and it was fine because neither I'm pretty sure he was kind of like that too or maybe but we just didn't really ever we just didn't really, it was like an occasional thing. We were like friends that happened to be married. So, yeah. Um, and it just took a lot of research. Once I started going to school, once I started going to college is when I kind of learned more about LGBTQ and everybody started going to the rallies and gay marriage became legal. Well, you know, it's all just marriage now. So it's, it's all accepted. Then I started learning about different sexualities and different genders. And it was all kind of brand new. And then I started learning about asexuality. And I was like, that's a thing. And I started reading more about it. And I was like, Oh, my God, that's me. That is me right there. Um, A great ace. But, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of funny, though, because we're kind of like uh, the black sheep of the LGBTQ spectrum, like, because um, it's, 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 we're kind of like uh, someone I heard say online a couple of days ago that they wish that we had a unicorn on our flag because apparently we don't exist. So. Yeah. Um, so it's just kind of something that I learned to identify with. And I was married for a long time before I even realized, because I just thought that was normal. I thought you get married and you just kind of stop having sex. Like, I just thought, okay, that's how it goes. But it's not like that for everybody. Um, anyway, that's a little awkward, but... <laughs> yeah. I mean... No awkward than 
most topics. <laughs> no more awkward than most things we talk about <laughs> on this show. I promise you that. I have a question because as you were talking about that, it's really fascinating. I realize, you know, you said maybe the the asexual uh, wing of of the LGBT community, it, it, you kind of feel like a black sheep at times. It makes me realize, well, I sometimes that just has to be driven by not knowing much about something, right? About it being driven by ignorance. And I realized, well, I, I actually don't know much about it. And oh. it's always made sense to me. I'm like, oh, right. Yeah, well, you, you don't feel the urges to have sex. I, I, my question is, in my mind, I think I've made an unfair assumption, which is that I always, mm-hmm. in my mind, when I hear asexual, I also have always assumed, oh, well, well, does that mean people, I've always sort of thought, oh, that means people don't need companionship either. But in oh, in no, hearing you not. describe your ex-marriage, I realized, oh, I think that was something very unfair that I just assumed. Oh, yeah, no. Um, I mean, a lot of um, asexuals choose not to have relationships, but a lot of the time, that's like one of the big hot button issues is that you want to have companionship and a relationship you just don't want the sexual part like it's it's just you want you want the holding hands and sitting down and watching tv and doing chores together and it's just really the sex part and there are some people who are what we call sex repulsed and that's just like they really the idea of sex makes them feel ill like they don't they don't want to have sex ever. But then there are some people like me who are fine with it sometimes, maybe maybe once or twice a year or something, they will get the urge and be like, oh, you know, that sounds nice right now. But for a, that's why I call myself a gray ace, because a gray ace is someone who occasionally every once in a while gets the urge. But... For most people, it's you still want the relationship and the companionship. And sometimes people end up with, you know, friends and like relationships with, uh, uh, it's, it's more like a, like a really good best friendship, you know, because you're not having sex, but you're having all of those other aspects of a really close relationship. So, yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of us who have, who are married or who have gotten married or who want to get married. I mean, it's really all about how much you want to have sex. So, yeah. That's and that, that was why it took me a long time to figure out that I was asexual because I was married. So, I had no clue that you could you know, be married and want that relationship and also be ace. That's really fascinating. And I guess, I guess that is something that I always kind of uh, also assumed was that, you know, there's varying degrees of everything. I feel, I almost feel like every classification, including straight, there's many, many versions of that. There's many, many Mm -hmm. versions of gay, of bi. It is beautifully layered and beautifully complex. And I'm glad we're realizing that lately. I like, I'm going to make a joke now and I hope I'm not being reductive, but I like that you described, was it, you said gray, right? I'm hearing gray ace. Yes. I yeah. Like, gray ace. I, I like that. It, it almost sounds like, like uh, you as a gray ace treat sex as many people would treat like an expensive steak dinner. Like you're like, you can't eat like that yeah. every night. You'd feel bloated and gross, but once twice a year, let's go out, let's treat ourselves. Let's treat ourselves. Yes, exactly. I'm in the mood to go drop yeah. a little more coin on a dinner than I should. I could put this money towards other <laughs> stuff, but you know what? I got, I got the breathing room. Let's go get it. Let's go big. Yeah, exactly. I like that. That is a perfect way to look at it. I never even thought about that. And now, are you are you dating now? Are you pursuing relationships these days? I'm not right now. I have been thinking about it though. Um, I, I'm, I'm a photographer, so 
I'm shooting my first wedding on the 4th of July. So I got this nice fancy dress and I've got all the nice makeup and everything. And I thought to myself, well, maybe, maybe I'll meet somebody, you know, you never know because there's going to be a whole bunch of people there that I've never met before. So I'm kind of ready to jump back in, but, um, yeah, I mean, it's been, it's been a couple of years now, so I'm kind of ready, I think, but I'm just not there yet. And just asking about your timeline, it's been a couple of years. Have you dated since you embraced asexuality? No, I haven't. So I haven't had that awkward moment yet where I have <laughs> to tell somebody. Yeah, because that's that, a whole conversation to navigate. Good. Yeah. Yeah, that's going to be a tough one. Um, I don't know what I'm going to say. And I don't know if that'll be like a first date thing or if it'll be like a wait five or six times till they're till they're hooked or till we have a good rapport and then just kind of laying on them. I don't know. So, yeah. But my um, my coworkers are always talking about um, how I need to jump back in there and and find a guy. And right now, um, I'm a lunch lady. <laughs> so, uh, so I'm cooking at work and they're always like, Oh, you're a good cook. You need to find a man. You need to get married. Um, and I'm just like, I just, I laugh and whatever, but it is kind of awkward because I'm not going to be sitting there telling them, Hey, yeah, that might be a little bit more difficult for me. Um, but I haven't really, uh, I haven't really figured out how I'm going to uh, let somebody know that that I'm a little bit different. So, right, and it sounds like your coworkers. It's not like you're sitting around uh, discussing this with your coworkers. It sounds like no, no, yeah. no. We chit chat. I enjoy my coworkers a lot. Actually, I love where I work. But talking about stuff like that is, I live in a very conservative town. I'll put it that way. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a smaller conservative town, kind of maybe 45 minutes away from a big urban area. Um, so it's just past the suburbs. So it's kind of real Republican. People are real conservative here. Um, so discussing certain things like I, I haven't even told them that I'm an atheist. Well, no, I did actually tell one of my coworkers I was an atheist, but that's about as, um, that's about as in depth as I've gotten. So, um, but, but they're great people. I'm just afraid to have those kind of conversations. Well, you can't you know, blow their minds too, too much. You've already blown their mind yeah, revealing right. your atheism. So you got to give, you got to exactly. give that time to sink in before you blow their mind again and say, Hey, so there's a very, exactly. there's a specific, uh, specific form of sexuality. We're talking about more and more in, in recent years. Let me break that down to you too. They'll just be sitting there <laughs> going, my head's going to fall off my shoulders. What do you, you so much coming out of the pipe. Exactly. I bet dating apps help. I would bet dating apps where you you can list out of the gate uh, your preferences. Yeah, you know. Yeah, that would allow people. You know, have, filters out a lot of people where that would be a deal breaker. I had thought about that. I am really socially awkward, so I'm nervous. But I've never because okay, I got married in two thousand and three. You know, I, I, I had my first computer, like, just before I got married. So, yeah. you know, I, uh, I don't really, I don't really, um, I don't really be nervous about using a dating app because I, I don't know. It just, it seems weird to me meeting someone online. And I know that's really like old school. But I um <clears throat> I don't know, like 
the whole idea of it, trying to have a conversation and have a relationship by by beating someone online and then, although, you know, like I have relatives who do that all the time, who meet everybody that they date, they meet on some kind of, on some kind of dating app. I just, I just haven't tried it, but there is actually a dating app specifically for asexuals. I just doubt anybody. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I can't remember what it's called right now, but, but, um, I just don't think that there's going to be anybody in my area because I mean, unless I want to drive 45 minutes into the city, it's going to be, it's going to be hard to find anybody in this area. Cause I don't think that there's a whole lot of people who are ACE. Like I can't even find an ACE support group without going into the city. So. Well, um, if I may be so bold, I will say, mm-hmm. It's worth signing up, maybe, if you're comfortable with it, just because what if there's someone else in your town saying, um, I'm assuming there's nobody else here like me. What if they're out there? Even if you don't wind up dating, what if you go, oh, there's there's actually someone I could lean on who lives four blocks away? Who knew? That would be nice, right? That would be nice. Yeah, it would be, actually. It's always nice to find people who are like you. It's always nice to find somebody who thinks like you do. You don't want to be only around yeah. people who are like me and only people who think like me. That gets that gets very dangerous very fast. But for me, mm-hmm. when it was, uh, I'm like, oh, there's there's other depressed people in this world. That that was a revelation when I was in my twenties, my young twenties, and I thought I was just a broken guy. It's like, oh. I'm not. I'm not this outlier. It's a good feeling because it's yeah. community, right? It's a community. That's true. Now wait. I also want to ask. You're a lunch lady. Where are you serving lunches? Yeah. I serve at um, my local school, and actually, right now, um, we're still serving lunches because of COVID, there's a bunch of people who have hit really hard times. Mm -hmm. So um, they are serving lunches throughout the summer so that other people who are, who are unable to get food in any other way, they can still come in every day and pick up a free meal. So it's really rewarding, actually. Um, and we've been really informal. We don't have to wear uniforms or anything like that. So that's nice. Um, so it's just a matter of um, making making all the kids happy. So, yeah. It's a fun job, though. It is a lot of fun. That's cool. That's cool hearing that it's fun. Yeah. I have read I did read that too, that that one of the things that they were so scared with shutting down schools is some kids, the only nutrition they get is at school. Some parents can't aff- you know, if you're an essential worker and you can't afford daycare, what's gonna is a kid gonna sit around all day, a second grader, like by themselves? So it's really this side of COVID right. that's really, you know, it's not the first thing exactly. you think about, but it's really fascinating. Yeah, and we have it so anybody. You can come up and you can ask for 10 meals if you wanted to um, because we know, you know, parents are hungry too. Or if you, we don't, it used to be when we started, you had to live within the city limits. um, But we changed that. So if you happen to be from a neighboring city or outside of the school district, we don't ask anymore because we know that people are going hungry and we want to make sure that people's needs are met in any little way that we can. Um, So that was just kind of a decision on the school district's part to try to make sure um, that we, that we do something and you can always tell like our numbers will go, will fluctuate 
so much. You can tell exactly when people are in the most need. So, um, you know, usually there's like right after the stimulus checks went out, our numbers went way down right after um, like the time of the month when people get SNAP because so many people are on SNAP right now. Um, as soon as SNAP goes out, our numbers go way down, um, but then they'll go up the more the more desperate people are. So, but again, it is, it is, it's, it's the side of my job that, you know, I used to just, I started the job kind of like to make money. Just, I, uh, I have, you know, photography is my career. That's my career of choice. That's what I want to be doing for a living. And this was just kind of, um, something to do, something to do until I end up uh, being able to have that as my career, like my full-time job. And instead of just making lunches for kids, I'm, I'm actually like helping people feed themselves during all of this mess that's been going on. So um, it is really rewarding and really sad at the same time because, you know, you feel awful for for all of these families because, you know, we're serving so much more food than we ever would have served, um, you know, during the regular school year because people are employed and, you know, there's there's families who are who are going through a lot of trauma that has nothing to do with COVID in general. So, yeah. Anyway, and you can kind of see that working in a lunchroom, which is someplace I never really thought you would see anything like that. Um, So it's interesting. Well, that is, that's one of the things about right now that I think is so unique within my lifetime, at least where so many, so many of the things that have happened in my life that are kind of points of history are things that remain theoretical mm-hmm. to the large majority of us. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like I happen to be in the New York area. I was in, I was in Manhattan on September 13th, 2001. I, I was a comedian and went in and did a show that night. So I did see it, but for 99% of Americans, that was a hugely impactful thing. They didn't see hurricane Katrina. I saw the news. I saw the Spike Lee documentary. I wasn't there. It didn't wipe my house away. Um, but COVID is perhaps the only thing that comes to mind in my lifetime where it's pretty impossible, uh, not to see the effect of it within one or two degrees of your own life. You either know, you know, someone who's lost their job, you know, someone who's passed away, you know, someone who's, um, who's fallen on hard times in, in the ways you're describing. It's really, as far as a societal moment and it's global, it's global where it's, yeah. you can't ignore it. You can't ignore it. It's not theoretical yeah. to really anyone. Yeah. What a strange yeah. time. It now, is. I have a very important, oh no, sorry. You were going to say, you were going to respond. No, 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 no. Go ahead. Go ahead, please. Well, Go I ahead. had a, I have a question Go that's, ahead. I have a question that's a little lighter, but it's actually immensely important to me knowing that you cook in schools is, Uh is Friday still pizza day. This is the question that we've all had on our minds. This is the question we've all had on our minds. Pizza day. Is it still a thing? The jury's, we're all going to find out together. Anybody else excited to find out about Friday pizza day? I know I am. We'll be right back. Beautiful Anonymous is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based 
based on how you buy. Everybody breaks over, and now we find out what's the deal. Pizza day. Is Friday still pizza day? Yes. It is. Oh, oh. every Friday. Nice. Yes. That was and it's the same little pizza that you remember. Those little it's rectangles? The same pizza. Yes. Oh, yep. I love the Taste little rectangles. It was like a holiday every Friday when you get pizza day. And then you look yeah. back on being someone who's lived pretty much only in New Jersey and New York for all but six months of my life. Pizza. We got good pizza. I look back. I'm like, that was not, that was not the peak pizza I'll ever have, but I have such fond memories about pizza day. Get that little rectangle. <laughs> yeah, everybody does. Uh, I, I have been, I have gotten so many requests for people to, it bring them leftover pizza because they haven't had school pizza, you know, in 10, 20 years. So anytime there's anything extra leftover, I will bring it to my friends because they just want to be nostalgic and have some of that rectangle pizza. I would love it. And, you know, they got the Elio's pizza, which is similar, but I feel like school pizza, it has its own thing going on. It's not like you can get frozen, the frozen rectangular pizza in the, the supermarket, but there's something about school pizza. I guarantee you, okay. w- when I asked, is Friday still pizza day? There were a lot of people listening whose eyes kind of opened wider. And when you said yes, they actually audibly cheered. I bet there are people who didn't expect this who went, <laughs> yeah, because everybody loves Friday pizza day. And if you're an international listener, oh, yeah. I don't, you might not have, if you grow up in France or, in, or anywhere, Maybe you don't know this, but this is, I think most American schools, traditionally, Friday's pizza day. And there ain't nothing Always. wrong with yeah. pizza day. I was the kid. I used no, to bring a bag lunch. I used to bring a bag lunch every day. And then on Fridays, I'd say, mom, please give me that. I forget what it was. Give me that $1.50 today. I got to get it. It's pizza day. <laughs> and then I get the little carton, the little carton of iced tea or orange aid, 35 cent little carton. Mm-hmm. That, that was another thing. Do they still well, have it's that? Do $3 they still? Now. It's three dollars now. I, I mean, based on when I went to school in the eighties, that's pretty good, pretty reasonable inf- rate of inflation. Mm-hmm. Do they still have weird drinks that you can only get in the school? For us in Jersey, it was Clinton's iced tea, Clinton's orange aid. Those were drinks you really only saw them in school, in the little milk cartons. Now, well, really, where I work, it's just milk. It's just milk. But maybe at the high school that might be the case. Now, I let's but, say this about milk. I'm going to say a controversial thing. When I was a kid, I would drink a carton of milk in school. As an adult, am I the only one where the idea of drinking a full glass of whole milk is, I can't even imagine committing to that. I wouldn't be able to do it. <laughs> to drink a full glass of whole milk, that would seem like the most over-the-top thing for me right now. Anybody else? I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I grew up drinking a lot of milk, but I can't, you're right. I probably, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that anymore, but we we have, what we have 2% and we have chocolate and we have strawberry. That's all they get anymore. Strawberry milk. I haven't thought about strawberry milk in decades and I can taste it. And I remember (laughs) there was also the very rare banana milk, which was never popular. Strawberry. Oh, yeah. I feel yeah. like strawberry milk yeah. had a cult following of people who loved it, and then the majority of people I knew found it re, uh, completely revolting. It was. It's all right. Not bad. Oh, I wouldn't man. pick it. I think what we order most of is chocolate milk. That's all the kids want is chocolate uh, milk. Listen, you're talking to me right now. Do you know what I would give for a nice greasy rectangle of pizza? on a paper plate oh. and then a nice little quarter. What is it? Like a little half pint of chocolate milk. <laughs> that's, that's the dream. That's childhood. That's oh my yeah. Childhood. And they always serve fries with it. Too. Fries, fries with your pizza? pizza my yeah. jaw is dropped. I didn't get fries with my pizza. And do I remember a little piece either. of tin foil under the rectangle pizza? Yeah, I always got like steamed vegetables with my pizza or something like that. You get the steamed vegetables at school. You just ignore those. Yes, exactly. Fries and pizza. These kids got it great today. 
Okay, that was a very weird sidetrack. You've left behind yeah. your conservative beliefs. You're a whole oh, new yeah. person. Oh. Your, your life has transformed. Yeah. You don't even know the version of you from pre-2000 no. whatever. Yeah, it was probably 2009. I would not have, I don't think I'd even be friends with me from before. <laughs> I, I thought that I was a nice person and empathetic and but I, I was not because I was one of those people who, who had my beliefs and those were the beliefs that, that were the correct beliefs. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and the thing is, is that I started learning, um, I started studying anthropology in school. So that is like the complete opposite, you know, everybody's you know, you want the world to be as diverse as possible, study human culture. And um, I I just had just kind of embraced like this whole mentality of thinking completely on my own and deciding for myself, like what, uh, what was right and what was wrong. And now when I hear people say some of the stuff that I used to say, it, it makes me, I don't know. I feel sad for them, I guess, because they don't, they don't, they don't know. Like, and I, and, and, you know, at the same time, everybody has a right to their opinions and beliefs. It's just that the problem comes in when you start trying to push those beliefs and, on, on other people, like forcibly pushing those beliefs on other people. And that's what I used to do. Like, um, having that idea that you should be pro-life and no one should be allowed to have access to choice and you should all, um, become Christian because that's, you know, that's the way you get to heaven or whatever. Those kinds of really strict religious beliefs was kind of a a trap that I had um, found myself in because, you know, if people thought the right way, I guess, they would have, they would have come to this conclusion because, you know, uh, because, again, because I thought that I was, being kind and caring and I was uh just how how do I put this so I don't like offend because I know not all Christians are like that like obviously they're not um but uh I I was um I I don't know I lost my train of thought (laughs) sorry but but I mean the point is that I that I realized through some really tough times that I had this, um, that I had everything all wrong. You know, you're, when I was in my twenties, obviously it was cocky and thought that I was right. And I had the world figured out because a lot of people are like that when they're in their twenties, but I didn't understand complexity. And that there are, you know, these whole, the whole concept of there's different right answers to the same issues. Like your right answer isn't necessarily the right answer for somebody else. I didn't really get that. I thought I did, but still the idea that someone would would do something other than what I thought was right was offensive at the time. But now I have learned so much more and that's fine. If you, if you think that way, like if you think that your beliefs are right and everybody thinks that way, that's fine until you start telling people what they have to think and what they have to do. 
and that they're bad people because they believe something different than you. And, you know, everybody has this idea of what is right and wrong, and everybody thinks that morality comes from God. Um, but really, I mean, a lot of our, you know, Ten Commandments and whatnot, they predate the Bible. You know, it's, it's, it's just, again, having empathy for other people and their individual circumstances and um and really trying to put yourself in their shoes and understanding that you are not going to understand where other people are coming from because you have never experienced that so the best you can do is listen and try to hear what they're saying instead of waiting for your moment to tell them why they're wrong and that is what i used to do um you know, I would hear what people were saying and I thought I heard, you know, I, I thought I was listening to them, but really I was just waiting to contradict something that they said, you know, and, um, and I learned how to be more, um, I guess I learned how to be kind through being, uh, through some really, shitty stuff so yeah well you know what that's got me thinking you know what i find myself thinking because it's really beautiful what you just said really beautiful and it's making me realize when when any institution whether it's government religious whatever again like my personal beliefs aside i can see how people get so much out of religion. And I find it to be very beautiful when they do. But when it hits a tipping point where you are discouraged from asking the question why, that's when I mm -hmm. think things get really dangerous. And to me, that feels like what you're describing mm -hmm. when it's like, you will think this because it's what you're supposed to think. Well, if I'm yeah. not allowed to ask you why, then I got to walk away because this game is rigged, you know? Yeah, yeah. See, see I grew up Catholic. Um, as did and I. And they try to tell you, huh? As did I. Did you? Oh, yeah. Well, so maybe you know, they had this whole idea of you should question everything. But then they also had this, they, at least they told me, you know, we just hope that you come to, you know, the right conclusions, like the same conclusions. Yes, question everything. Go ahead, question everything. But then they'd want you to come to the same answers that they came to. And if and, you, and if you don't, so, you got you got everybody making you feel guilty all the time. If you don't, yes. you got nuns at oh, Sunday. God. You got nuns at Sunday school making you think you're going to burn in hell. Literally telling a fourth yes. grader, "Well, it's fine if you want to think that. You'll just burn eternally, you nine-year-old." Oh my God! Yes, yes, exactly. I was terrified of hell. Oh, oh my God. It. Too. Yeah, I think that too is what kept me from starting to, you know, question things for so long is because I was fucking terrified of everything. Um, so it wasn't so much, it wasn't so much like the religion, um, it wasn't so much like the beliefs itself, like I necessarily believed what I was saying. I thought I believed what I was saying. But it was more that I was scared not to believe what I was saying. Yeah. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. That's the whole that's the whole way that's the whole way that it's it's rigged. When it's extreme. When it's extreme. Mm -hmm. I think I think there mm -hmm. are religions and there are are branches of Christianity that don't take it that far. But yes, when you are believing only because you're scared not to, that's when something's off. Now let me ask you let me ask you. You used to be very conservative. Now you're very liberal. Mm -hmm. you, you live in an mm -hmm. area where you've described at least a certain segment of the population are very hardline in their beliefs. Now these people are not going to change. There's a lot of people out there though who are questioning why. You've, you've seen both ends of the spectrum. You live in mm -hmm. an area 
where you still see the hardliners. This is an unfair question to put upon you. November. What's your gut instinct? You're out there. You're out there in the trenches amongst the people who need help right now. Amongst, in a conservative Uh, area. What's the gut instinct here? They're going to vote Trump here. They are. Mm -hmm. I know it. I've had so many discussions about this with some friends of mine who are also very liberal. And um, even though they are depending more on, you know, social uh, programs that are helping them, like they're signing up for SNAP and, and they're signing up for unemployment and they're accepting those COVID stimulus checks and things. They're still, they're still very, very pro-Trump and they see this all. I've, I don't know. I mean, I've seen some real doozy of comments, like, things that hurt things from different family members, you know, people who are saying, but you got to admit Trump has done so much for us. And I'm just like, what, Mm. what has he done for us? Mm. I don't, I don't get where they're coming from. So. Well, that's the opposite of what I was hoping you would say. I'm sorry. That's okay. I asked who, listen, our time is up. I'm sorry to say, okay. and I want to reiterate, I'm so sorry that you dealt with a uh, personal tragedy, but to hear how that tragedy led to a lot of transformation in your life and, and leading you to a place where you feel like you are more like yourself and finding mm-hmm. more empathy for your fellow human being. Thank you for trusting me with that story. And uh, I would wish tragedy upon no one, uh, but to hear how mm-hmm. you handled it and 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 to hear how you evolved in response to it was really fascinating. And I thank you for the phone call. Yeah, thank you. It was so nice. Um, thank you for doing your show. Oh, I'm lucky. Uh, I'm lucky. Yeah. Yeah, I enjoy it every week. Good. So keep doing what you're doing. I'll get, until they drag the mic out of my cold dead hands, I'll be here. <laughs> thank you so much. Caller, thank you so much for opening up, trusting me. You will forever be my asexual lunch lady friend. And good luck with the photography career, too. I think that's so cool that you're going for it. Thank you to Anita Flores. Thank you to Jared O'Connell. Thank you to Shell Shag for the music. If you like the show, go to Apple Podcasts, rate, review, subscribe. If you want the whole back catalog, it's at stitcherpremium.com slash stories. Go check it out. Next time on Beautiful Anonymous, reconciling your background in the modern world, throwing ice cream, a big fat squirrel, an action movie, and so much more. But it was just me sitting down saying, look, I have boundaries. I'm throwing ice cream in my girlfriend's face with a line you are coughing. And, I, um, I'm so sorry I'm it, laughing. Eventually, it's so eventually ludicrous. Down. No, don't. I'm, I'm laughing too. It's over a year and a half ago now. The funny thing is, is that she wanted my girlfriend to apologize for it. And she was like, hell no. If you see I threw in my face, why am I the one saying sorry? That is a wild conversation to have with your own mom. Mom, you cannot throw ice cream at my girlfriend <laughs> ever again. That's next time on Beautiful Anonymous.